welcome all of our campuses to our brand new series entitled Triggers. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us, all of our campuses, those that are joining us online each week. Man, we're so honored to have you with us. We are kicking off a brand new series. I'm going to be teaching all through the month of August. I'm going to be talking about this topic. It's a, it's a topic that's readily used in our culture. I'm sure you've heard that term, triggers. The question is, what is it? I'm going to begin by asking you guys a few questions. Here we go. Have you ever thought about what it is that causes you to go from zero to 60 in like two seconds? Question, what bothers you? Is it an environment? You walk into a particular environment, you think, man, every time I get into this environment, it's familiar. This happened to me at one point in time. And anytime I get in anything that's remotely close to it, something triggers. Maybe it's a circumstance. A circumstance is not necessarily an environment, but it's a it's, it's something that happens external to you. For example, hurricanes or a weather situation. Something that happens, and, and when you hear about it or you see it, something triggers on the inside. And all of a sudden, where moments before you wouldn't have those feelings, now there's a rush of adrenaline, and you have been, been triggered. Maybe it's a relationship. I had a lady one time, I was shaking hands in the foyer of the church, and she came up to me. She said, Pastor, if I can just be honest, I, I've been in this church five years. I've, I wanted to say hi to you, but I, when I was, well, I'll just be honest. I am terrified of authority figures. And every time I get in the room with somebody that's an authority figure, I, matter of fact, walking over here to talk to you, I wanted to, but I was nervous, and, and because you would, well, it's, you're, you're in a position, and it, and, and and what happened was, and she began to tell me why it is she had a bad experience, and now anytime she gets around somebody that's in any level of position of authority, she's triggered. Question, what triggers you? We live in a culture right now that has been dramatically impacted in so many different areas. Matter of fact, I, I, I do a series, and this is important for you guys to know. Those of you that are guests here, we're so honored. We know that every week, all of our campuses and those that join us online, live, they, that we have lots of guests, and we are so honored. I, the way I do it is I plan out my messages a year out. Now, I'll shift and adjust some things, but I have what's called a message mapping. And I know what books of the Bible I want to teach, what series, what different things. And, and this week, for, for example, I had this plan for six months, but this week, this week, or actually last week, when I was putting the final touches on this first message, and it's five, I'm going to be going all the way through, actually six, all the way through August into the first week of September. This week, I read this article. On my phone, this article popped up, and it caught, it caught my eye because of this, and, and I'll explain why. Here, here's what it is. It was an article, some of you of me have seen it, in USA Today, and it really jumped out. Here's what the headline read. The pandemic changed how mental health is discussed and treated. Reading along, I came to a point where this lady, Danilyn Benevente, with the Providence Chemical Dependency Center in Washington, here's what she said. Listen to this. This was this week, six days ago. We can't dismiss that COVID influenced first-time use or increased substance use. Many people reported that the impact of COVID increased their triggers for using. 
That's the word, triggers. Right in the middle of the article on mental health, she goes on and says this, the Kaiser Family Foundation noted that in the U.S., 40% of adults reported symptoms of a depressive disorder or anxiety during the pandemic. That's an increase from 10%, 10%, think about that, 10% in mid-2019 to 40% today. Four times as many people that are battling mental health challenges in the United States of America. What is the idea for this series? Where did I get it for? Look around culture today. The challenges that people have. As a pastor, I can't tell you that whether it's the text or the emails. Pastor Steve, I'm so agitated. I'm, I'm frustrated. I, I, I'm, I, I just don't feel like I'm myself right now. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you can relate to that. Well, the reality is, is it's like we're walking through an environment where there's landmines all around us, and the tension is high, the stress is high, there's political man, landmines all around, there's health landmines, real legitimate things, obviously. Educational kids going back to school, what's going to happen, what do we do? So what happens is you get hypervigilant and you adrenalize up when the stakes are high. And your triggers were at one moment you may have not been triggered. Now because the stakes are high and because the gravity, the gravity is so heavy, people are sensitive and they're being triggered more quickly. Question, Pastor Steve, do I have to respond improperly when I'm triggered? The answer is no. The reality is, is that we can learn, what is my purpose of this series? Number one, learn why we're triggered, how we're triggered, and number two, learn how to do it and respond differently. We don't have to go by way of the world. We don't have to live stressed, worried, concerned to the point that we feel immobilized. I had a conversation with a guy even last week. He said, man, I just, a Christian guy in our church. He said, pastor, I'm just so struggling. I got so many things going on. And I said, this is going to sound profound, I went to a lot of school, a lot of university, a lot of seminary, a lot of teaching. Here's the thought. You guys ready? I said, here's the thought. You ready? You're a Christian. So what do you mean by that? I said, you're a Christian. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And listen to me. You don't have to live enslaved to triggers. How many are grateful for the power of the gospel that God will transform our lives? You look around the opinions that are out there. You look around the divisiveness that's out there, the tension and the strife, even in marriages. I can't tell you if it's a church, how many marriages and people that are in, I'm talking about same home, the conflict and the strife, people that are dealing with things, fear of the future, fear of failure, fear of being controlled by people, fear of loss, fear for our lives. The raw emotion is rife and pervasive in our culture. I got to give you a little bit of an admission. I, 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 um, I realized that I was not, my diet was not healthy on some of the things that I, were, I, were, I was digesting. As I came through the fall, I was, I'm not a TV watcher. I just don't. I watch some sports and, you know, maybe the hunting station or something. You know, I know some of y'all don't like that. I don't really care. And so, uh, and so, and, and I was, you know, I, I'm not a big TV watcher guy. I never really have been. And, but it's interesting. I was in the fall because of all the political realities. I was, I was watching a lot of television. And here's what I, I couldn't realize why at nighttime I couldn't sleep. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? I had so much on the inside of me, anxiety and stuff. And, 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 and finally my wife and I, and, and we both were, and we made a commitment in December as we came to the house, like we are not watching the news at night. We're not going to do that. We're not doing it. 
Now, let me qualify. I will read the news. Why do I read the news and not watch it? Because if I read it at least at some level, objectifiably, at least I can ingest it. But I don't want the spirit on that newscaster jumping on me. So I just want to, I want you, I'm not suggesting and advocating in any way for us to be uninformed. I am saying you better be wise what you're eating. I had to make a decision. Why is that? I was triggered. But it was based upon the decisions that I was making, positioning myself in a way where I was allowing stuff to fill my mind and my heart. Pastor, what's the point of this series? To teach us how to respond differently. We can't escape from the world. We, we don't believe, never do we subscribe to, I've been a pastor 22 years here at the church, in ministry 28, almost 30 years. Never would I ever suggest that we just uh, subscribe to some panacea of a belief system that we never have challenges. What I do say is, although we do have challenges, God equips us to be able to overcome in the midst of it. What's the point? My goal in this series is to help you guys identify your triggers. What is triggering you? Why do you feel that? Watch this. And either to help you eliminate that trigger or reduce it where you're not controlled by it. Here's what I found. If we don't deal with our triggers, our triggers would deal with us. And the outcome of being triggered is, watch this, we make poor decisions. We make decisions according to the flesh and not according to the spirit. Why? Because when we're triggered, it causes pain. And when we have pain, we try to medicate the pain. Wow, pastor. For example... Oh man, I just, man, I just know what's going on. I feel so frustrated. This person did this to me and I just kind of went off on them and I just cussed them out. Let me just help everybody. Cursing people out is not a part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I just share that with you. I don't know if you knew if that was in the Bible. Not sure. I'm not really educated. That's not in the Bible. We should be transformed. We should walk differently. We should not be striving, but we should be abiding in the power that Christ has given us as children of God. Doesn't mean we don't have challenges. Of course we do. But we have to live differently. My goal for you is to help you in this series. So, Pastor, what is a trigger? Let me give you a definition. This is the intro five weeks. I'm going to be talking about this. And I'm going to give you a framework, a roadmap to help you evaluate your internal responses as you evaluate external stimuli. Let me give you one. Number one. The first thing that happens, a trigger is a stimulus that shapes our thoughts and our actions, and it demands a response. Let me say it again. A trigger is a stimulus that shapes our thoughts and our actions, and it demands a response. Here's how triggers work. Three boxes. And I think we've got them on the side screens. All of you that are joining us online, they'll pull up on the screen as well. Here's how it works. Category number one, stimulus. I could say plural stimuli. There's a stimulus. In your, there's a situation that happens, all right? Something happens. It's familiar to you. Something triggers you. Number two, an environment you walk into. Man, every time I get with this group of people, there's this person, it's part of my past, this thing happened, it wasn't real positive. You know, I feel like, okay, there's an environmental impact. You are triggered. So situations, environments, and relationships. And every time I get around that quote type, that was what the lady said. Because of a, an injury in her soul, in her emotional level, as a young person with an authority figure, anytime she, quote, gets around an authority figure, watch this, bucket one, stimulus, situations, environments, relationships, 
boom, trigger. What is the trigger then? The trigger is a flooding of memories attached to the negative experience. It's often the trauma. It's, it's the experience that you feel, and it's, and it's in your memory, your conscious or subconscious memory. And it brings up thoughts about God. God didn't protect me when I was a little kid. This happened, and therefore God can't help me today, and therefore i got to protect myself. By the way, it is, everybody say stimulus. Everybody say triggers. Everybody say response. Here's the point. If you are not dealing with your triggers and your triggers are dealing with you because it creates pain, you will make a choice according to the flesh and not according to the spirit. The goal is to teach us, as Paul said, walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. When I'm walking in the spirit, I'm not being controlled by my triggers. I'm actually controlling them by the power of Christ on the inside of me. So we've got stimulus and these memories these beliefs about God, beliefs about ourselves. Maybe as a kid you grew up and an authority figure told you, you'll never amount to anything, you'll never accomplish anything, you'll never achieve, you're inadequate. So here's what happens. You get around somebody that remotely fits that profile, it triggers an adrenalized defense mechanism which brings up a memory bank of all of those words and those incriminating thoughts of you are inadequate, you can't achieve, and now all of a sudden what you do, you make a choice according to the flesh even as a reaction to cuss them or to take a substance to numb the pain or to... Work that out some way that's not healthy. Here's the point. The responses that are according to the flesh, there's collateral damage with that. I've done that in my family. I've said things I've not been proud of. We all have. What's the goal, Pastor? To walk according to the Spirit. Everyone say the Spirit. The Christian life is to be led and controlled by the Spirit and not according to our flesh. You know what's funny? When I, when I became a Christian, I thought the flesh was our epidermis. No, no, literally, I thought the flesh. I'm like, what are we always talking about the flesh? The flesh. I mean, how do you get rid of the flesh? The flesh, biblically, is not your skin. Your flesh is the part of your nature, the, hum the human side of who you are, the depraved side of who you are that needs to submit to the spirit, lest you're controlled by instinct and impulse and not by the spirit of God. So that's what your flesh is. Your flesh, it's, it's the humanity side of who you are that's not submitted to the Spirit of God. It's, 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 it's not a benefit. Don't walk according to the flesh. Pastor, what's according to the flesh? The lust of the flesh, all that stuff, pride, envy, jealousy, unforgiveness. What's the Spirit? Non-fruits of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, self-control, temperance, all of that. So you have a stimulus. You have a situation. Boom, it triggers you, it floods up memories, it then gives you, it kicks in your belief system about, about God, about yourself, about life. Pastor, you know what's crazy? My grandma, every Christmas time, she would get me, and it was almost like, you know, she'd, she'd, you know, she'd drink a little bit much, and she'd start downloading me on life about, you know, you can't trust people, and you can't trust people, and people are going to knife you. And so it's like, Pastor, because she was my grandma, relationship stimulus, certain environment. It's like in my memory, it was, there's such a download because I was so trusting to her. There was a download and it really shaped my belief in God that God, I can't, <laughs> I can't trust God to protect me. I, I have to protect myself and, and, and I have to be guarded of people and people are bad. I don't put tens on people's heads. I put zeros on people's heads. 
And, and pastor, after all, I make decisions. That I realize why I isolate and I alienate others and I self-sabotage relationships. And it all goes back to something that I believe as a child that triggers me that I make poor choices in response to. I've got to... Here's the good news of the gospel. I want everybody at every campus to hear me. Your mind can be rewired by the power of God's word. You don't have to respond that way. I know what some of you guys are thinking. You're a guest. Does they even talk about the Bible here? Yes, we do. I'm about to get into it. Don't get nervous. Triggers are all throughout the Bible. Maybe not the word, but the concept is Next week, I'm going to talk about Moses. I'm going to talk about how Moses was triggered. There was something that he was unwilling to deal with. Yes, Moses. Ten Commandments. You saw the movie. Can I tell you guys something? This will blow you away. Moses didn't go into the promised land because he didn't deal with his triggers. You're going to hear that next week. What about King Saul? King Saul dealt with insecurity. And because he was unwilling to deal with his insecurity, his insecurity dealt with him. And because of that, he made choices after the flesh. We're going to talk about David. We're going to talk about Peter. How Peter allowed fear to control him. He compromised. He was a chameleon. He'd get in a situation. The little peasant girl would, wait, 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 time out. You're the one that's been with Jesus. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And he cursed. Why? Because he didn't deal with his triggers. I want to deal with the triggers in my life. I don't want to be manipulated. I don't want to be controlled by an old memory. I don't want to be controlled by anything other than the Spirit of God. The reality is, is that in the Bible, we learn a roadmap, a pathway, a pathway to live differently. Today, I want to talk to you about the Apostle Paul. Why the Apostle Paul? If there's anybody in the New Testament, he wrote two, actually about, about 60% of the New Testament, Paul wrote. I love Paul. I, I love it because he's so real and raw. Paul, Paul the Apostle is the one in Romans 7. He says, man, there's things that I want to do I don't do. But I actually do the opposite. And there's things that I want to do and I don't do and I should have done that. You ever been there before? Paul the Apostle, man, the guy was real. At the same time, he also gave us the template of walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. And one of the greatest examples in all of the Bible where we see the differentiation between a person that is led by the Spirit and controlled by the Spirit and not by the flesh is Paul when he was on a boat one day. Paul the Apostle was someone who was preaching all over the book of Acts. He was continually and consistently in trouble, whether it was the Jewish leaders or the authorities around him, and they would tell him, quit preaching the gospel, quit preaching the gospel. They'd throw him in jail, they'd whip him, they'd take him out of jail. They put him in the Philippian jail one time. They had a revival meeting. He and Silas, they're praying. The whole thing shook. He led the Philippian jailer to Christ. I mean, you could not shut up Paul. He would preach Christ and him crucified. Finally, he got big trouble. And he knew he was in big trouble preaching the gospel. And boy, they were really getting ready to get him. And he said, wait, time out. I'm a Roman. He's a Jew, but he's a Roman. He goes, part of the Roman Empire. I appeal to Caesar. And they're like, okay, we've got to put him on a boat. Send him to Rome. So Paul gets on a boat. Who gets on the boat with Paul? The guards that were guarding Paul, other prisoners, other people, cargo. They were on a boat. And as they were on this boat, watch this. This is fascinating. As they're on this boat, all of a sudden, a storm rises up. Let's watch Paul's response 
versus everybody else's response. And I'm going to talk to you about triggers. Watch this. Acts chapter 27, verse 9. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will not well, I mean, this voyage will end in disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. He tried to warn the captain. He said, he said, sir, I don't think this is a right idea. By the way, Pastor Steve, will the Holy Spirit speak to you about things to come? Will he speak to you guys? Yes, he will. God will warn you. God will speak to you. And God's telling Paul, Paul, Paul tells him, but unfortunately, the captain overrides what Paul says under pressure from other voices. Look at verse 13. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they have obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. Watch this. But not long after, a temptuous storm, headwind. Some of you in your Bible have hurricane. Yikes. Even that word, right, can trigger. This hurricane force wind arose, so they start freaking out. You got to read the whole story. They start freaking out all over the place. Everybody's like screaming and they're crying. And matter of fact, they start throwing cargo overboard. I have no idea why they're throwing cargo over. Yes, let's lighten the boat so it'll be whipped around more by the wind. That makes sense. I I mean, I don't don't get it. It's whatever. Maybe one of y'all know. I'm not a boat person. Everybody is freaking out. Except one person. One person. They come to Paul. They're looking at Paul. They're just, they're, they're, they're panicking. They're freaking. <clears throat> I look at Paul. What's up with this guy? What's going on with you? Listen to what Paul says. This is amazing. Verse 22, and now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you. What? But only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. You have an assignment, Paul. And indeed, God has granted you and all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, for I believe God that it will be just as he told me. Whoa. Three things about this story. Number one, I want you to see this. This this is what I'm doing over the next five weeks. I want everybody at every campus to watch this. I'm giving you three things that actually provide the framework of us understanding how to respond and get a bigger picture related to triggers. Number one, everyone hear me, storms are inevitable. We shouldn't freak out about them. Jesus said, in this life, you will go through storms. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to deal with things. I'm going to deal with things. We all do. I deal with things. I deal with personal things. I deal with professional things. We all deal with things. There's disappointments. There's discouragements, things come. But if you don't understand that, that's not a defeatist mindset. That's a wartime mindset. Paul called us soldiers of Christ. We have to understand that there's a real devil. There's really depression. There's really struggle. There's really trial. There's really a broken cosmos that we're living on. Again, God is good, but we have to understand life's not always easy. Storms come. Paul knew they were coming. And we've got to understand. I remember as a young Christian, I... I began to think there was something wrong with my faith if I went through a challenge. And then I began to realize that adversity is part of life. Adversity is just part of life. We live in a broken, fallen world. We don't live in a perfect world. Now, we have a good God, and God wants to help us navigate through the storm. But don't tell anybody that life is easy. and It's not. Matter of fact, adversity can be used to our advantage to build spiritual muscle if we use it rightly and appropriately. <clears throat> Paul said... 
very clearly. There's a storm coming. Jesus said, there's storms coming. There's seasons of more intensity. There's seasons where it goes a little bit less. But yet we have to understand that. We can't control everything around us. Boy, you want to you really get delivered from being a control freak? When you finally realize you cannot control everything around you. Yes, you can make wise decisions. And no, we don't want to create additional storms. <clears throat> but sometimes things just happen. Things happen around us. My response is my responsibility. While we can't control everything around us, we can always, we can always, we can always, as we're submitted to Christ and we're walking in the Spirit, we can control our response. Number one, storms are inevitable. We're going to see that throughout this series. Number two, we've got to remember that God's with us in the midst of our storms. God's with us. Look at 27. Acts 27, 23, for there stood by me this night an angel of God whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. We have to believe that God has got us. I know this is bad English. I know it's not proper English, but I don't know how to say it any other way. God's got you. If you don't believe that God's got you, I know that we're not supposed to use that word, but if you don't believe that, that, that we are in the palm of God's hand and that God has control of us, if we don't believe that, can I tell you something? Then you will live stressed out, freaked out, browned out. Why? Because you, listen, if you've got you and you don't believe that God's got you, you are up a creek without a paddle. You've got to believe that God's the one that's got you. Who's got your life? Paul said, hey, hey guys, God's got us. Everybody say, God's got us. Let me give you an example. The economy shifts, things go down. If you think you've got you and you don't realize that God's got you, that circumstance that's external to you, right? You didn't create it. It's completely external. But then if it triggers in you a trigger of, oh my gosh, if you think that you've got you and God doesn't have you, then you look at your resources and your inadequacy and what you don't have and you start freaking out. Now you start making decisions according to the flesh. But if the environment, if something happens in the economy, you're like, wait, wait, my God owns the cattle on the thousand hills. My God supplies all. God knows where the fish are. God knows where the business is. God's got it all. Let me tell you. And I belong to God. I've been purchased with the blood of Christ. I've been belong, I belong to Christ. I'm not my own. Man, that puts a faith on the inside of you. It puts a confidence on the inside of you. I belong to Christ. I am, I've been purchased with the blood of Christ. It doesn't mean that circumstances don't come, but your triggers are reduced. You see, when your triggers are high, you want to medicate the pain. Cursing someone out is medicating the stress and the tension based upon the perception that you're disadvantaged in that moment. That's, what, that's, what that, that's the outworking of that. Drug and substance abuse is medicating the pain of somebody being triggered by a situation where they don't feel like they can, they feel like they have a can't mentality, their life's out of control. So their situation produces the trigger. The trigger is false beliefs about yourself, God, and your future, and then you have a decision. I can medicate my pain through fleshly behavior, or I can walk in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. How many of y'all want to learn to walk in the Spirit? I want to learn... Hey, let me say it again. Everybody listen. You'll either control your triggers or your triggers will control you. You've got to know where your faith is. Paul knew, hey, my trust is in God. My trust is not in this boat. My trust is not in you guys. My trust is in God. By the way, where is your trust today? Is your trust in this earthly, worldly system? Is that really where your trust is? Is your trust really in that? 
I'm going to tell you where I am. My trust is not, I appreciate the political system, but the political system is bankrupt. You do realize that. It's absolutely bankrupt. My trust is in God. My hope is in God. Yes, I'm engaged at appropriate level. Yes, I vote, but my hope is not in my vote. My hope is in Jesus Christ that loves me, who died for me, who cares for me. And by the way, I want to say this as your pastor. I don't care if that offends you. Your hope's in the wrong place. Your hope's in the wrong place. Because, hey, baby, it's going to toss and it's going to turn. And if your hope's in that, bye-bye. My hope's in something that's not passing away, the kingdom of Almighty God. They can't be shaken. It can't be shaken. And yes, I vote. And yes, I'm engaged in the system. And yes, I do my appropriate duty as a citizen. But my hope is ultimately in another kingdom, the kingdom of God. That will not be shaken. It will not be shaken. Number three, remember your mission. Remember your mission. Verses 24 and 25, you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you and all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, for I believe God. I believe God. Is there anybody in your boat that says, I believe God? I'm asking you that. By the way, your faith is important for who's in your boat. Who are your employees? What do your kids see in your life? What does your spouse see? Listen, I want to be a I believe God person. I don't want to be a negative pastor. I don't want to be a pastor that's full of unbelief. I want to be a pastor that's full of faith that can lead the congregation into what God has for us. Do we believe God? Do we believe that God is with us? Do we believe that God is for us? Do we believe that God is going to deliver us out of the mouth of a lion? Do you believe that or not? Paul said, Paul said I believe God. I believe God. It'll be just as he said. Paul had a mission. What was his mission? To preach the gospel? Preach the gospel. You've got a mission. Listen to me. Your vocation is a secondary mission. God has gifted you with talents and gifts and abilities, yes, that has designed you uniquely to fit a perfect vocation. To, but, but ultimately, your ultimate calling, just like my ultimate calling, is to share the gospel with people, to see people born again, and to be discipled in the kingdom of God. Paul said, I've got a mission. I've got a mission. What is your mission? Your mission is to preach the gospel. Paul said, you, you guys are okay. Why are we okay, Paul? Because I'm going to Rome to preach. Wow. Is that conviction on the inside of you? Let me tell you, this will destroy negative triggers. When you understand that you have a higher value, a higher purpose, you're living on a higher plane. Yes, sir. We can't run from environments. We can't escape the world. We don't advocate that. We can't run from every situation. We can't run from every circumstance. We can't run from every toxic person in the whole world. We can't run from that. We can't run from that. But what we can do is not be triggered by that because we have a God perspective. We think differently about God, about ourselves, and about what we can do in God. I'm going to do everything I can the next month to help you guys from the Word of God. I'm telling you, you can live differently. No, we're not perfect. No, I'm not where I want to be. But I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not enslaved to the triggers like I used to. I'm not. But I was, and I want to get better. So, Pastor, here's what. Here, I'm going to give everybody this. All right, here. I want everybody to look at me. I got one thing I'm going to give you, and this is going to be the framework and the rubric that we're going to operate from. Okay, Pastor Steve, I understand I can't run from my situations. I can't run from every negative environment. I can't run and eliminate every person in the whole entire world. I, I, I understand that triggers are real. What are triggers? Those are my responses that come from my memory that are based upon my perception and belief in God and myself and others. And I understand, Pastor Steve, 
that when I get triggered, it's painful and I adrenalize and I want to medicate those feelings and often I make poor choices and that's the flesh, but I want to do it according to the spirit. How do I do it? One thing, one thing. I'm going to give you one. You guys want it? Y'all ready? One thing. We've got to learn what Paul said. And I'm going to use Paul. We've got to learn what it means to renew the mind. Romans chapter 12. This is what we're going to be doing over the next five weeks. We're going to renew the mind. Here's what we're doing. We're rewiring our brain according to the scripture and the word of God. I want everybody to hear me. When you get born again, your spirit changes. Guess what doesn't change? Your mind. Your mind doesn't change. Your mind does not change. I'm going to tell you what does change. Your heart. You're going to heaven. You've been born again. Your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, but your mind does not change. Your mind begins a process of change. It's called sanctification or the mind renewal. Here's what Paul said. Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be, don't, don't be pushed into the world's mold. Are our responses like the world? Are our thoughts like the world? Don't be conformed to this world. I remember as a boy, I, I had a third grade art class and we did plaster Paris. Is that still around? I, did y'all, how many of y'all remember Plaster Paris? Y'all remember that? Come on, 70s. Come on, late 70s. I remember we had Plaster Paris. And, we'd, and here's what we would do. We'd build the mold, and then we'd put the plaster in that. Do y'all remember that? Then we would take off the mold, and we would be shaped according to the mold. Here's what Paul says. Don't let the world build a framework out of your life where your life is poured into that. Conversely, poured into something else. Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everybody say transformed. By the renewing of your what? Say it. Mine. Pastor, I don't like how I feel. Your feelings are a byproduct of your thoughts. The way you change what you feel is by changing what you think. When you begin to think biblically, you begin to feel biblically, and you begin to make different decisions. It's called walking in the Spirit. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you fulfill the perfect, acceptable The good, the perfect, and the acceptable will of God. All right, here's the last analogy, and we're done. You guys learned anything today? Yes? All right, here it is. Here it is. So what are we talking about? Here's what we're talking about the next five weeks. Each week, I'm going to use a biblical example. Next weekend's Moses. You do not want to miss that. What am I talking about? I'm talking about we all experience situations, environments, and relationships that do what? Trigger us. What is a trigger? A trigger is an, it's a response to an, a stimulus or a stimuli, and the response comes out of your memory bank, conscious and subconscious, and it kicks up your belief system about God, yourself, and others. Based upon that, we then have a choice to make a decision. If our triggers are high and controlling us, we often make a decision according to the flesh. Why? In order to medicate our pain, because life is painful in that moment. Versus walking according to the spirit. Well, Pastor Steve, how do I eliminate or reduce triggers? You got to renew your mind. Now, now let me explain these two chairs. All right? These two chairs a week ago looked exactly the same. Exactly the same. They're the same age. They're from the same set. All right? What's the difference? The difference is, is that what we did with this chair is what we're now doing with this chair and we're taking off the old. See, here's the challenge for Christians. Please hear me. This is so important. The challenge for Christians is we often try to put on the new, but we're unwilling to take off the old. It's, it's a process that happens simultaneously. We've got to be willing to take off the old and put on the new. So, for example, 
We get born again. We start coming to church. We get in a small group. We start getting disciples. We start memorizing scripture. We understand about prayer. But you've got to be willing. Uh, huh, to take off the old. You cannot, you cannot put new paint on old furniture lest it doesn't work. You got to strip the old and then put on the new. In other words, you got to be willing. I had to be willing to turn the news off. Why am I so freaked out? Why am I agitated, Jennifer? You're, are you doing something to me? I thought the same thing about you. We got to be willing. There's some decisions that we're going to have to make. Pastor, I want my triggers to go down. How do I do it? I don't want, to be, I don't want my triggers to control me. Are you willing to take some stuff off? But Pastor Steve, I, I see the beautiful life that's, that, that's afforded to me in the gospel, and I'm trying. I'm trying to walk with God, but I understand. Are you willing to let go of some stuff? Are you willing? Are you really still going and getting loaded with your high school friends? You're 50. You're really doing that? You're really doing that? I want to be sensitive to this next comment. Pastor, I'm st struggling with pornography. Throw your computer away. Well, I'll find it somewhere else. Throw that away. In other words, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to take off the old? I had a lady stop me last night. I walked out of church. She goes, Pastor, let me tell you exactly what I had. Exactly. I was struggling with gossip. You know what? I got rid of all my social media. I said, really? She goes, I'm telling you, you want, you want to know why? Because I kept trying. I would get triggered. She goes, she goes, I thought thoughts I hadn't thought in 30 years. I got in arguments with people. I was, I was mad at people. And she goes, but when you did that with the chair, I realized I got to participate with God. Everybody say, take it off. Be careful saying that in church. I, <clears throat> Okay, somebody could clip that. A pastor is developing a nudist colony. Come on. I'm talking about wrong thinking, wrong behavior. Okay. You got to be willing. To, you got to, listen. There's some unhealthy stuff. Let me tell you something. In my life, I don't want to be dominated by my triggers. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to be, I, I want to, I want to be led by what God. How many of y'all want to be led by the Holy Spirit? Come on, how many of y'all? Okay. So what have we said? Here's the framework. This is what we're gonna talk about the next month. I'm gonna be in there, I'm gonna be using biblical characters showing you how they are interacting and interfacing with these three boxes. We're gonna look at situations, environments, and relationships. I'm going to show you the different triggers that were going off in Moses, in David, in Peter, in different biblical characters. Some of their false thinking about, man, I'm going to tell you, when you begin to evaluate our thinking, and then I'm going to show you the choice. You're going to see King Saul had a choice. He had a choice to walk this way or to walk that way. I want to say this in conclusion. You and I can make different choices with God's help. You can. You and I can overcome. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Could you at all campuses, <clears throat> I'm going to take just a moment. Man, I'm looking forward to this week. I'm looking forward to this month. I'm looking forward to this series. God's going to help all of us to grow in godliness and Christ-likeness and walking in the Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence here right now. Maybe you're here today and you do not know Christ. You're not sure about your relationship with God. 
You're not sure if you die today that you're ready to stand before God. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Question, do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? I can't save you. Don't let any preacher tell you that they can save you. I can't. Church of the King can't save you. I'll tell you what I can do. I can point you to Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. And he was raised on the third day for you. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, whoever calls upon that name, the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? At the count of three, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, just lift your hand up high. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am, right there. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you up top. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. God bless you guys right there. Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Can we do that right now? Come on, let's pray. All the campuses, let's pray together. Those that are online with us, let's join our faith together. Come on, let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Everybody give me 30 seconds. If you prayed and trusted Christ, there's a card behind your chair. It's called Decision. You can fill this out, place it in the bucket on the way out. I just want to send you a letter. Or you can text right now, Decision, the word Decision, to 822-822. We'd love to give you some information. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Three things. Number one, you don't want to miss next week. Two, we've got stuff for kids and a bunch of fun stuff afterwards. Three, for all those that came in late, you weren't late because of a poor decision. It was late because you didn't get the email, and we apologize. And uh, so church now starts at 1115. Why did we do that? We wanted to give you guys more afternoon, and our workers were here a long time, so we wanted to give them some more opportunity for afternoon. So next week, what time is church at this service? 1115. So let me pray. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward right now, too, if you need prayer. We're always open for prayer afterwards. Our church, Father, bless your people. Teach us this month. Lord, you're helping us to overcome triggers. Lord, we're going to walk in the spirit. We're not going to be controlled by the flesh. We're going to grow in Christ's likeness. Lord, I pray a blessing over your people. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, may the favor of God be upon you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on. Can we just bless the Lord? Hey, I love you guys. I'll see you next week.